All right, welcome to another episode of Declaring Liberty. I am your host, Mark Pantano. Thank you for joining me. Here's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about Texas, the politics of Texas, and how, as I have been telling you for a long time, Texas is in the process of turning blue. How far, how far along in that process, you know, we are is anyone's guess, but it is definitely trending that way. We're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about the courts and the problem with our rogue, tyrannical judicial branch and some of the things that can be done about that. And then we're going to end up talking about cannibalism and eating human beings in order to save us all from climate change. Uh, yes, that is a real thing being uh, talked about now on the left, so we'll discuss that. Now, before I get into Texas, you know, I've been telling you about the problem we have with Texas and several other red states. I've been telling you this for a long time. And uh, the problem is that very few of us have been warning about this. And that's a problem. And it, it's not just the issue of, of Texas and some of these red states turning blue. It's, it's a problem when it comes to a lot of different issues that we aren't discussing this. And the reason we're not discussing this is because, as I see it, and I've also been talking about this, is we have a real problem with our conservative, quote-unquote, conservative media. We don't really have a serious conservative media anymore. And that's a problem because a lot of the opinions and priorities and really even the talking points that just your average Republican voter you know, has, picks up on, talks about, comes from our conservative media. And I talk to a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people online and social media, and the things that people on our side say, I mean, lots of times it comes verbatim from what some big-name talk show host says. There's very little in the way of independent thought. And that's, that's not exclusive to people on the right. It's just, it's just the way it is. Very few people think things through independently. They just... They listen to the things that they agree with and they repeat what they hear other people say. And that, that's it. Their thoughts are what they heard other people say. Very few people think things through anymore. Very few people even spend any time in quiet contemplation of anything anymore. Constantly, there are things going into our heads. You know, uh, whether you've got the radio on, the TV on, you're on the internet, very few people just turn off everything and just think anymore. And if you're not turning things off and just thinking on your own, then you're not really coming up with your own thoughts. You're just adopting the thoughts of other people and then passing them off as your thoughts. This is a problem. It's a problem because where most of the people on our side go to get their ideas, get their information, these outlets are not really serious outlets anymore. They're certainly not seriously conservative outlets anymore. They're corporate outlets. So many of these people, and you really need to wake up to this fact, because I'm talking about a lot of these talk radio guys. I, to me, they're the biggest problem, the talk radio guys. 
And I don't need to talk about anyone in particular. It's it's not the point. You're smart enough to 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 think about this and understand who it applies to. But a lot of these talk radio guys, they well, I well, first of all, a lot of them are not very serious conservatives anyway. These are not intellectual conservatives. They're not principled conservatives. They really couldn't sit down, for example, and have a conversation with you about the First Amendment in any meaningful way, for example, or anything about the Constitution. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't talk intelligently about uh, the framing of our Constitution, the purpose of separation of powers from a philosophical standpoint, you know, the political philosophers that our founders and framers relied upon when drafting the Constitution, things like they couldn't have a conversation about that. They really don't. They really don't know this stuff. And same thing about you know current political issues. They can talk about the surface stuff, and usually it's just talked about uh, with respect to how crazy the left is. But but it doesn't go much deeper than that. And so a lot of these guys just aren't serious thinkers to begin with. They're not, so you're not going to get in-depth thought from these people. So that's number one. Number two, especially the big radio guys, uh, you know, they have huge, these are huge money-making operations, right? They got big dollar advertisers. And as you know, a lot of these corporate advertisers are cowards. If, if they are advertising on someone's show and that person says anything controversial or anything that gets picked up by the left and labeled as racist or homophobic or, or, or whatever, oftentimes those advertisers will abandon that show, pull their advertising. That's big money. That's a real consideration if you are a talk radio person and you have these million dollar advertising contracts, right? You don't want to piss those people off. So you're going to stay away from topics or not talk about certain topics in such a way that it might piss people off. And so you're going to hold back. You're not going to be completely honest. Or what happens more often is that certain topics are just completely ignored altogether or given only passing reference to. So that's another problem. A third problem, and this has really been to me the biggest problem in the last few years, is that they stay away from any serious discussion of issues or the politics if that discussion would any go any way near any sort of even mild critique of President Trump. Because the nature of President Trump's support, which is both good and bad, is that it's not, not, not among everybody, but certainly among a sizable portion, is, is that it's this slavish devotion to the person of Donald Trump. Not even, you know, the issues are secondary. It's, it's a devotion to the man. And so if you attempt to have any sort of serious conversation about issues, like say illegal immigration, for example, you cannot have a serious discussion about that topic without discussing what the current president is doing and not doing 
with respect to it. And the current president is Donald Trump. Now, there are certainly some things that he is doing that are good. And you can talk about those because you won't catch any flack for, you know, saying that Trump is doing something good. But there are definitely reasons to be critical. Serious policy and political reasons to be critical of things that the president has done and more importantly what the president has not done in the area of illegal immigration. But you largely cannot have that conversation because if you go anywhere near discussing maybe some of the problems with what Trump is doing and not doing, well then once you do that, all that these people hear, a lot of them, is that you're criticizing Trump. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how right you may be. They don't want to hear it. They're not going to hear it. And not only are they not going to hear it, they're going to turn the radio off if they're listening to the radio. If, if it's on social media, they're going to stop following you or block you. They refuse to hear any criticism. They get extremely angry. Of course, this is not everyone. But this is a sizable percentage of Trump's base. And so for that reason, I mean, it's, been, it's so clear when it comes to uh, a, a lot of these talk radio guys and really just about every big name one, every big name talk radio guy, they have clearly made the business decision to stay away from any topic that could bring them anywhere close to criticizing Trump in even the slightest way. So they just stay their hands off. It's obvious they, they've made a business decision to say to stay hands off of those topics, not to go anywhere near them. Only praise for Trump and no criticism. The problem with that is well, the reason they do it is because they don't want to lose any audience, right? I mean, that's that's obvious. That that's obvious. Obviously, the calculation that they have made. And if you followed a lot of these big name talk radio guys, you can clearly see it. Some more than others. Uh, some it's been much more obvious. People that used to be very very principled conservatives and equal opportunity criticizers. It didn't matter if the person was a Republican or Democrat. They would criticize them if criticism were warranted. They were not, um, they did not stay away from topics if, if to discuss those topics necessarily means that you, you would have to level some criticism against a Republican. It used to be not long ago that that wouldn't stop them. Now, it's so clear that they completely just stay away from those topics. They only do praise of Trump and that's it. The problem with that is, is that it prevents us from seriously discussing these issues. That's the problem. And it, in turn, creates an uninformed Republican base. And only a partially informed Republican base. Again, going back to the, the issue of illegal immigration. Since we cannot have a serious discussion about these issues and about the issue of illegal immigration, and let's be honest, talk radio and social media, these 
these big name accounts and things. This is where we have this is the Republican town hall. You know, this is where we where we discuss these things among ourselves, and where we hear these issues discussed. Because we certainly don't hear illegal immigration from our point of view as it being a bad thing discussed in the mainstream media or anywhere else. You got to go to talk radio. You got to go to conservative media in order to hear our perspective on illegal immigration discussed. And the problem is you go to these places and you're not getting the whole picture. And so we have an uninformed Republican Party because all they hear, again, for example, on the issue of illegal immigration, is that Trump is doing absolutely everything he can on the issue. Well, that's, that's not true at all. It's not even close to true, as we've discussed very specifically in the past, and perhaps we'll do again, I'm sure we'll do again uh, in the future, but that's, that's not my meaning here. The, but the point is, if we cannot seriously discuss the issues, then we have an uninformed Republican Party. And if, our, if we are basing our political decisions, our political conversations off of incorrect and incomplete information, then that's a problem. We can't really hold our elected representatives' feet to the fire if we don't have a realistic idea of what's going on and what they are doing and not doing. How do we hold them accountable when we, when we are wrong about what we think they're doing and not doing? Okay, just generally speaking. How do we do that? Well, we don't. And that, that's a real problem. And when the other problem is, not just on the issues, but politically speaking, we don't see our position for what it really is. We're not dealing with reality. And that's where I want to come to Texas. Okay, that, that's why I want to discuss Texas here. I have been warning you. For I've been talking about this for, well, certainly since I started this podcast, but really I've been talking about it for a few years now. That Texas is in the process of turning blue. And the problem with Texas is that Republicans have no realistic path to victory if we cannot win Texas in the Electoral College. If we lose Texas, then for all intents and purposes, we will be effectively shut out from ever winning the presidency again. Not until that, that political dynamic changes and we can either win Texas back or, or win several blue states that we currently don't win. You know, we would have to completely shake up the electoral map at that point if we lose, lose Texas. We simply cannot win. Not, not the way the Electoral College is right now, not the way the state of politics is right now. We have no path to victory. The problem is that we are very, very close to losing Texas. And why I, want, I began talking about talk radio and conservative media in general as being a problem is that you don't hear that anywhere else. I was a lone voice in the wilderness trying to bang the pots and pans and scream this stuff so that someone would start taking me seriously and realize that we have a serious problem in the Electoral College coming down the pike. Because we're about to lose Texas, and not just Texas, several other states are all trending this way. And the problem is that very few people on our side, at least until recently, were even aware of it. And the reason is 
because our quote-unquote conservative media wasn't talking about it. And why? Well, for the reasons I just explained. Namely, the third reason. They don't want to lose Republican voters uh, you know, from, from, from the audience. Because I can tell you firsthand, if you suggest that Texas is turning blue, you will lose audience. I'm telling you, I've seen it in my little small world. I, you know, I, I can only extrapolate what I see based on, on my small little area of the talk or conservative commentary universe, right? So, but based on my own experience, if you, if you start trying to warn people that Texas is turning blue, that, that we're heading in that direction and that's soon going to be a reality. You are going to get attacked and people are going to stop following you, stop listening to you, unsubscribe from you, all that kind of thing. I've seen it. It's happened to me. People get very angry. They don't want to hear it. And the problem we have on our side right now is that we have a Republican electorate, many of whom are supremely overconfident in our political standing. And it's completely, in my view, unwarranted. They, a lot of these people, for example, with Texas, they think Texas will always, I hear it all the time, Texas will always be red. Texas will never vote Democrat. And they talk about it in these absolute terms. It will always be red. Never. Turn blue. I don't believe you. You're a liar. You're a propagandist. I get this from conservatives because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to face this. So they, it's, it's easier just to say that's fake news. Oh, that's another one I get all the time. Oh, that's fake news. I'm so sick of this fake news crap. I wish this never made its, you know, a lot of times I wish this never made its way into our lexicon because when it started off, this idea of fake news, well, it was right on the money because so much of the left-wing media is fake news. It, it's either just extremely biased or they oftentimes just make up stories, just completely lie. And, and to call these people fake news, it's true. It's fake news. But now, because our side has used this so much, now people on our side just dismiss anything that they don't want to hear as fake news. Anything that you tell them that they don't want to be true, they just dismiss as fake news. It's unbelievable. And it doesn't matter what it is. You can present them with fact, figures, it doesn't matter. You can give them links, it doesn't matter. And the other thing, too, is that no matter what source, it's a, it's a fake news source. And it's just, it's, it's gotten to the point of being ridiculous. And this is another way why our side is not serious. There is fake news, but not everything you, you don't want to be true is fake news. And so I get that. I get it's fake news, you're a propagandist, all this stuff. And so that's why, at least one of the reasons, why our conservative commentator guys don't go anywhere near, or haven't until recently, go anywhere near the issue of Texas. And, and these other states that are trending blue. They don't want to talk about it because people are going to get mad at them and stop listening. And that means lower audience numbers. That means they can't charge as much advertising and all that. 
It's a business decision. For some reason, people on our side, you know, they've been listening to their favorite talk show or whatever for years and years and years, and they just take whatever they say as gospel. And if if my guy that I listened to didn't tell me about it, then it's not really a problem. Well, that's a that's a stupid way of looking at it. Because they're not making they have to take the business angle into account. Right? Well, they don't have to. They can be they can have the courage of their convictions and just go out and be honest and let the chips fall where they may, but they're going to lose a lot of advertising. It's, I'm telling you. And at the end of the day, they go in it's it's a career. It's business. They, you know, they're not doing it for free. They're doing it to make money. And that's not a put down. I mean, that's capitalism. It's the way that it is. I don't begrudge people. These, these are valid reasons for staying away from certain issues. But it's a problem. Because most people on our side, most voters, most listeners, most readers, they don't really think about that. And so they just think that if my guy is not talking about it, then it must not be an issue. Because my guy's a real solid conservative. And, and it's funny because those same conservative talkers or writers or whatever, they will tell you that the media shows their bias in part by the stories that they don't cover. And that's absolutely true. They do it all the time. It's not just lying about stories that they do cover, but the media pushes their propaganda in large part by what they don't cover. So like illegal immigration, they you're not going to hear the mainstream media talk about all the rapes and murders committed by illegal aliens. So the American people don't have a full understanding about the issue because the mainstream media suppresses that information. And so you'll hear talk radio guys, you know, uh, criticize the media for pushing their bias by not covering certain stories. When our media guys, these very guys complaining about the left wing media do the exact same thing but from the right. They don't cover certain stories for fear of the fallout that they will get, the criticism that they will get from people on the right. Now that's a problem. It's, it's just a problem. It's the way it is. And it's resulted in an uninformed Republican electorate. Now, Texas. It is turning blue. Will it turn blue? Look, yeah, I think it will. I think it almost certainly is going to. Now, is that baked in the cake? Is it a foregone conclusion? No. You know, people's minds can be changed. All of this. But I see no reason to believe that that's going to happen. Not anytime soon. Because we're not talking about a few people here and there that are needed. We're going to... We need... We need large groups who are voting for Democrats to start voting for Republicans and wake the hell up in order to prevent what's coming in Texas and in other states. Okay, so Texas is definitely on the path towards turning blue. How close it is to turning blue? I mean, that's opening. That, that's open for debate. I don't know for sure. My gut tells me that uh, at least on the presidential level, my gut tells me, and based on, on all the information that I've read and thought about over the last several years and considered, I think Texas will stay red. It will vote for Trump in 2020. 
But I think after that, it's doubtful. I think in 2024, I think we're probably going to lose in Texas at the presidential level in 2024. Now, of course, you, I'm saying that without knowing anything about the 2024 race. Obviously, we don't even know who the candidates are going to be, what's the state of the economy in the world and all that stuff. But just talking theoretical in a vacuum and just talk based upon the trends and all that, I think that by 2024, Texas flips blue. That's where I think we're at. And in 2020, yeah, um, in 2020, I think Texas is going to be much, much closer, even if Trump wins. It's going to be much, much closer than most people realize. Trump won Texas by nine percentage points. Now, that's a comfortable win, but that is the lowest percentage that any Republican has won Texas by since 1996. The lowest percentage against Hillary Clinton, a thoroughly unlikable candidate. That's not good. Uh, but it's it's part of the trend. It falls in line with the trend. And when I when I try to talk about Texas, and I'll get the deniers out there who who tell me that I'm just crazy. Texas it will never be blue. You know they have to deal with the Beto O'Rourke Ted Cruz race, which was really close, and it looked like Ted Cruz might actually lose that race at one point in time. And so they have to, they can't just dismiss me or dismiss the idea that Texas is trending blue without dismissing that race. So what they say is, oh, well, the Ted Cruz race, that's not indicative of anything. You know, Beto O'Rourke was a rock star and Ted Cruz is really unpopular. That's the only reason that race was close. Okay, uh, that is both partially true and completely misses the mark. Now, it's partially true because uh, Beto O'Rourke was a rock star. And why was he a rock star? Because he was a media creation, complete media creation. There was nothing that Beto has ever done in his entire life, nothing about his personality, nothing that would make him a rock star. I mean, now that he's been seen even more since the Senate race, Look at him. He's gone down like a rock because there's nothing appealing about this guy. He's a buffoon. Right? So he sh why should he have been a rock star? The only reason he was a rock star is because the media got behind him big time. Hollywood got behind him. The Democrat Party all across the country got behind him. They were sending him tons of money. And why? Why did the media and then everyone else that followed decide to get behind Beto O'Rourke in 2018? Well, the answer is very obvious. They got behind him because they smelled blood in the water. They could look at the data just as I have looked at the data, and they can see that Texas is turning blue. And they had polling data that suggested that Texas was in play, that the Senate race was in play because Texas has moved so far to the left. And therefore, they decided that they were going to go all in and try to win that Texas Senate seat in 2018. It had nothing to do with Beto O'Rourke. They were going to get behind the Democrat, Democrat nominee against Ted Cruz, no matter who that nominee was. 
no matter who won the Democrat primary, the media was going to make that person a rock star. And whoever it was would have gotten the same exact treatment as Beto O'Rourke did. It didn't matter that it was Beto. The fact was that they knew that Texas was close and that's why they jumped into that race. Okay, and and Cruz only won by 2.6%. So to say that you can't you can't take Texas the the Cruz race as any sort of evidence that Texas is turning blue. No. The Cruz race is evidence that Texas is turning blue or otherwise that race wouldn't have been what it was. Okay? So, and but there there is some truth to the fact that Ted Cruz is is not as popular as some other Republicans in Texas are. There there's no doubt about it. And that ha- is largely due to the acrimonious primary that had occurred two years earlier between him him and Trump. And when Cruz refused to endorse him at the Republican National Committee, you know, there was a lot of bad blood and all that. So it's definitely true that some people were not so enthused uh, about Ted Cruz. And that may have made the race a bit closer than it turned out to be. But that's, that's not the main reason. The main reason is that the media made Beto a rock star and got millions of dollars poured into his campaign because they knew that Texas was close and they were going to make a race of it no matter what. Now, the other thing you'll hear uh, in terms of dismissing my contention that Texas is turning blue is they'll also look to 2018 and they'll say, see, the Ted Cruz thing wasn't real. That was just that was a one off. Um, You can't you can't read anything into that because look, Greg Abbott won in that same year for Texas governor, and he won by a landslide. So therefore, uh, you can't read anything into the Ted Cruz race. Now that is definitely true, but here's the problem with that. Greg Abbott won, I looked this up earlier, where are my notes? Okay, Texas, uh, Texas governor Greg Abbott won re-election in 2018 by 13 points right now that's that's a big victory he was running for re-election okay he had already served a term so what you do if you want to be serious about this is compare how he did when he ran for election the first time versus how he did in his re-election in 2018 he won in 2014 by 21 points he went down to winning only by 13 points last year. Now, 13 points is still big, right? Well, here's what you also have to consider. In this last go-round, when Abbott won by only 13 points, he was running against an absolute nobody. A, a lesbian former sheriff, I think, something named Lupe Valdez. And she was an absolute loon, a total nut. Nobody at any point in time ever thought that she was a serious challenge at all. She was a nobody. She was just a write-off. She was one of these candidates they run just to have them be defeated. Nobody supported Lupe, Lupe Valdez. Okay, She didn't get a lot of money. She didn't get a lot of press coverage. Nothing. She was a nobody. 
yet Abbott only beat her by 13, where he had won previously by 21. Now, who did he run against the first time when he won by a huge 21 points? Well, he won against the Beto O'Rourke of that election cycle. Wendy Davis, you remember her, abortion Barbie? She was this uh, state senator who got all this national attention because she did this filibuster against an abortion bill on the floor of the Texas Senate. She wore her stupid little pink shoes and everyone around the country was buying pink shoes to stand in solidarity with the abortionists and all this stuff. I don't know if you'll remember that, but Wendy Davis was a huge a huge rock star on the left during that election cycle. Exactly the same as the Beto O'Rourke phenomenon, right? You had Hollywood celebrities all lining up, throwing money at Wendy Davis. She was a huge star, just like Beto O'Rourke. Yet Greg Abbott beat her by 21 points. Four years later, running against an absolute nobody, he only won by 13, okay? My shoe could have run against Lupe Valdez and beat her by at least 10 points. Okay, you could have run literally anyone on the Republican ticket and would have beaten Lupe Valdez by at least 10 points. Okay, it was a complete throwaway election. So when people say, oh, wow, see, look, Greg, Greg Abbott won by... That's, it's a ridiculous comparison. And if anything, when you compare the trend on, on the Abbott race... It proves what I'm telling you. Texas is turning blue. Now, it's just a question of degree and how close we are to Texas flipping. Again, that is debatable. That is arguable. But in my opinion, it is absolutely inarguable. No rational, serious, objective person can look at Texas over the last 10 years, 15 years, and especially the last five and conclude anything other than that Texas is moving rapidly, rapidly to the left. And again, it's doing that for two reasons. Illegal immigration and leftists leaving blue states and moving to Texas because of the favorable job and living climate there. You know, low price of housing, good jobs, a booming economy. And so people who live in failed blue states like California and elsewhere move to Texas. The problem is they bring their left-wing liberal politics with them. And they just continue to vote for Democrats. Well, Mark, why would anyone do that? Well, they would do that because they're leftists. They're idiots. Okay, yes. They realize that California is, is a, a failed state and they need to get out of there. But they don't attribute it to their beliefs. It doesn't cause them to question their own principles. It doesn't cause them to, to question themselves and maybe I made a mistake in voting for Democrats all these years. No. They just blame it on the individual Democrats that were in office. They ruined it. They ruined it. So I've seen it all the time in, in blue states that I've lived in. The Democrats, you know, they will hate their Democrat governor for ruining their state. But it's not because they're a Democrat. They don't then switch parties. They just blame that particular Democrat. You're doing it wrong. It's just like socialism. 
You know, we tell them that socialism has failed every time it's tried. Well, it's not because there's a problem with socialism. It's a problem with the people who tried to implement the socialism. They did it wrong. It was the people. So they don't abandon their leftism when they leave California and move to Texas. They take it with them. And then they start voting for Democrats when they get to Texas. That's what's happening. That coupled with illegal immigration. And then I hear people tell me, Oh, but Mark, illegal aliens can't vote. So they have nothing to do with it. Okay, number one, uh, many illegal aliens do vote illegally. This is a huge problem. This is why Democrats don't want, you know, photo ID of any kind. This is why their left-wing federal judges strike down state laws every time they try to pass some sort of voter ID measure. Uh, But so, yeah, illegal aliens are voting. But more importantly... We have had a massive illegal alien population in Texas and other states for years, decades. And what happens when an illegal alien has a child in Texas or anywhere else in the United States? Well, that child is an American citizen. Why? Well, because we're idiots collectively. We're morons that we do this. The Constitution doesn't require it. People lie about what the 14th Amendment does. It does not confer birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. And there is no statute that grants citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. This is just a bureaucratic tradition that we started doing. Nobody knows why, when, where, but that's what happens. That's why the president has all the authority in the world to issue an executive order telling his uh, bureaucrats that populate the executive branch that we are no longer going to interpret the 14th Amendment to grant birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. He could do this tomorrow, okay? You know, someone, someone tweeted the president. You know, I can write this executive order in about 10 minutes. This should have been done, you know, the day he took office. You know, he should have had his, his, uh, given his inaugural address, done this, done that, and before he headed off to all the inaugural balls, he should have stopped by the Oval Office and signed that executive order. This should have happened on day one. But here we are two and a half years later. All right, I'm not going to go down that road. Point is, illegal immigration and these uh, left-wing locusts from all these blue states moving to Texas is what's flipping Texas. And it's not debatable. It's going that way. Now, you don't have to just take my word for it. I wouldn't want you to do that because I might just be a propagandist, you know. I'm just fake MAGA. Oh, sorry. I hate, don't you hate these uh, web pages that have embedded videos that start automatically playing as soon as you um, click on the page? You don't hit the play button on the video. It just automatically starts. I can't stand those. I can't stand those. All right. But The Hill does this all the time. And so I got an article here from The Hill. Just came out this morning by a Jonathan Easley. Here's the title. Texas Republicans sound alarm about rapidly evolving state. Huh. That doesn't sound good. And where have I heard that before? Huh. I don't know. Maybe somebody's been saying it for the last three years. Okay, well, here's, here's what the article says. Oh, where'd it go? Oh, here it is. 
Texas Republicans are sounding the alarm as Democratic presidential candidates get ready for their debate next week in Houston, warning that the Lone Star State could become more purple if the party doesn't treat it as a 2020 battleground. So Republicans in Texas are sounding the alarm, telling us that we need to treat Texas as a battleground state in 2020. A battleground state. Does that sound like a solid red state to you? Or does that sound like one of these swing states that could go either way? Article continues. Most in the GOP are confident President Trump will win Texas and its 38 electoral votes next year. And they think Texas GOP Senator John Cornyn, a rhino by the way, will turn aside his Democrat challenger. But they are worried they will lose more House seats a cycle after Democrats clawed back two districts as they retook their majority. Five House Republicans have retired, including three in seats targeted by Democrats. The nonpartisan Cook Political Report rates them as either toss-ups or lean Democratic. So you've got some Republican congressmen not seeking re-election. And now the polling suggests that these states are either toss-ups or are leaning Democrat. How could that be? Texas is so solidly red. In fact, only a fake MAGA person or a political propagandist would suggest otherwise. Huh. Quote, we need all hands on deck and all Texans to pull together to make sure we don't let the Democrats put an end to the longest successful run in Texas history said James Dickey, the chairman of the Texas Republican Party. The chairman of the Texas Republican Party is saying that we need all hands on deck if we're going to win Texas in 2020. Doesn't sound like a terribly red state anymore to me. In fact, it sounds like a, t a state that is on the verge of turning blue. Just like some guy named Pantano has been attacked for saying for the last three years. I wonder if all those people who have stopped following me, unsubscribed, uh, blocked me, I wonder if they will suddenly come back and apologize to me uh, for their, their attacks on me for, for telling them just this. See, this is what happens when you are ahead of the curve. When you step out and say things that other people on the right aren't saying. The corporate guys. You know, the corporate guys who are very careful not to piss off any Republican voters. Those guys, the ones that don't tell you the complete truth, the ones who stay away from certain issues because people will get mad at them. So when someone like me sees this stuff coming and starts trying to tell people about this, warn people on our side about this, we get attacked because they don't believe it. Because our corporate media Republicans haven't told them this yet. All right. Can you tell I'm a little ticked off about this whole thing? It's a problem. These guys are a problem. You know, what is Daniel Horowitz, what does he call them? He calls them Teletubbies. These, these phony conservative media guys. These corporate Republican media shills. All right, whatever. Where, what did I? Demographics are slowly but surely changing the state as an influx of voters from California and other left-leaning states move to Texas, just as I've been telling you. GOP support is eroding in the suburbs surrounding Houston, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio. 
four of the nation's largest and fastest growing metro areas. GOP support is eroding. Yes, eroding. That's not good. That's a precipitous decline for Republicans. That is a rapid shift to the left. Okay, that's what eroding support is. A Democrat is not one statewide in Texas since 1994, the longest such streak in the nation. But Trump won Texas by only nine points in 2016. Exactly what I told you. The worst showing for a Republican presidential candidate in 20 years. Think about that. You know, deep red Texas, right? Uh, that means that Mitt Romney did better in Texas than Donald Trump. John McCain did better in Texas than Donald Trump. Okay, there's a problem here. There are fears that further slippage at the top of the ticket will cost the GOP House seats and potentially a majority in the State House. Democrats defeated longtime GOP incumbents in Houston and Dallas in 2018, and six other Republican House members won re-election by five points or fewer. Of those reps, Will Hurd, Kenny Marchant, uh, and Pete Olson are retiring, while Representatives uh, Michael McCall, Chip Roy, and John Carter face tough re-election battles. Our concern isn't so much whether Trump or Cornyn wins Texas. It's the margins of victory that will help us keep those contested House seats, said some guy named Corbin Castile, a longtime Republican strategist. Texas's booming economy has attracted a young and diverse workforce from more liberal parts of the country, such as California, Illinois, and New York. The running joke in GOP circles is that Trump should build a wall along the northern border in Texas to keep the liberals out. Okay, I don't need to read any more of this. You get the point. Okay, this just came out today. They're sounding the alarm in Texas. You know, we have to have all hands on deck. Texas is a battleground state. This is, it has been trending this way for a long time. This is nothing new. This is certainly no surprise to me. I've been telling you this for literally years now. But it has only been recently that anyone else on the Republican side has even mentioned this. This is, it's only been recently that any voters on our side even saw this as a problem. They thought Texas was a lock for generations. Why? Because our conservative, quote unquote, our phony conservative class, our corporate talk radio guys and these others don't tell you this. They don't want to go anywhere near having this conversation because people are going to get mad. And so this is a problem for people like me. And I'd like to know what you think about this. By the way, if you ever have thoughts about the podcast, if you have issues you want me to discuss, please let me know. You know, tweet at me, go on Facebook, direct message me, whatever. Let me know. I really want to know what you would like to hear me discuss. Now, I will put a huge caveat on, on that. I don't discuss, you know, just anything. I like to talk about issues. Uh, I talk about politics, as you know. I, I like mostly to talk about politics with respect to the issues. I'm not so much concerned about the people, the temporary occupants of these various offices. Okay, I, I, I'm not interested for the most part. Now, sometimes I can't help myself because it's just too much fun. But I'm largely not interested in the daily stupid soap opera of Washington, D.C. The tweets going back and forth between people, you know, whatever 
controversy of the day, the stupid media comes up with, whatever. I try to stay away from that because I don't care. It doesn't advance our cause. The real issue is what's happening to our country. I try to focus on that. So, you know, the other day I asked people to give me any suggestions about things they'd like me to discuss on the podcast. And I appreciate everyone who made a suggestion, but a lot of them were things that I'm not going to talk about. They were, you know, petty little specific political things, and that's that's not what I do, you know, by and large. So if you want me to discuss any particular issues, uh, please let me know. Constitutional issues, political issues, certainly. I mean, we talk about the political issues, but not this stupid soap opera stuff. Okay? For example, a political issue, gun control. I'll talk about that, as you know. But I'm not so much interested in talking all show about some Twitter war that Trump is in with, uh, you know, some stupid, you know, the squad or whatever the hell they're calling themselves. You know, I'm not interested in that. So anyways, back to my point. Um, the problem for people like me Obviously, I want to grow my audience as much as I can. Um, you know, right now, this podcast is largely self-funded. Um, and I'm probably not going to do that forever. So at some point, I need to have a large enough audience uh, to where I am either able to have this uh, self-sustaining and, and make money uh, from this endeavor or for this show to be picked up um, by somebody. But the problem with that is I'm not going to do that if it's going to make, if I'm going to be limited in what I'm going to talk about. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. That's not why I started this. And here I'm railing against corporate media talkers on our side who stay away from issues. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sign on um, with some platform if it's going to mean that I'm going to have to change the way I do this show. So I'm either going to have to get on with uh, someone, some organization that gives me the freedom to say whatever the hell I want, as I do now, or this really needs to become self-sustaining and a money-making operation on its own. Okay, so I need this podcast to grow. I need the audience to reach, I need as many people in this audience as possible. Okay, I want to... Help do whatever small little part that I can to help save this country. To help wake people up. To inform people. Because our problem, by and large, is one of uh, an uninformed electorate. Even on the right. Uninformed and unserious. People on our side wouldn't be taken in by all the daily political crap if they were serious about what's going on in this country, if they even knew how dire our circumstances are. And that's part of the problem. Again, let me go back to the problem with these these corporate media guys. They keep our people dumb. They keep our people, eh, that dumb is not the right word, ignorant, uninformed. And they keep us with an unwarranted, as I said before, sense of overconfidence. Like Texas. They think there's no way we're going to lose Texas. Well, Texas is on the damn verge, and and we've got tons of Republicans across the country not even aware. They think Texas will be red forever. They're in for a serious reckoning, right? That's going to be a bad wake-up call. 
when they wake up one day and Texas just went for the Democrat. But, but I thought Texas would be red forever. I, I stopped following that Mark Pantano guy because he told me Texas was turning blue. Maybe I should have listened to him. So we have that. We also are not informed enough about the issues. I, I see it all the time. People on our side, and they think we're winning on all these issues too. Because all our talk radio guys, all you get from these people is how we're winning. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of so much winning. What, what winning? What issue are we winning on? Okay, if winning means that Trump is fighting back against the media, meaning that when they give him bad press coverage, he trashes them on Twitter. If that's winning, then I guess we're winning. If Trump, you know, goes on some Twitter attack against Deborah Messing or what a, some other celebrity, if that's winning, well, then I guess we're winning. But for those of us who consider winning to be actually advancing on the issues, well, then we're not winning really at all. Where are we winning? We're not winning in any serious way. Okay, we're not, we're not winning on anything. Not bigly. No, we're not winning bigly at all. Uh, but, but people on our side think we are. Because Trump just trashed somebody on Twitter, so we're winning. And that's a problem. We're not advancing our issues. In fact, we're fighting on the left's terrain. They are, Republicans are sounding the Are you kidding me? Democratic presidential candidates Hold on. Next Let me close. See, I didn't close out that stupid Hill article and the damn video loaded again. <clears throat> Where was I? Got thrown all off. Uh, anyways, they think we're winning. They think we're winning on the issues, but we're not winning on the issues. In fact, we're not even talking about our issues. We're talking about the left's issues. They are setting the terms of the debate. Even though we have a president of the United States who could command the national debate at any time just by sending off the tweet. Still, we are talking about the Democrats' issues. What are we talking about? We're talking about gun control. Why are we even discussing gun control? We have a Republican in the White House. We have the Republicans in control of the Senate. Gun control should be off the table. It should be a non-starter. You know, Democrats say, we want gun control. We should be in unison from the White House and the Senate saying, uh, no, that's going nowhere. We're not even talking about it. That's what, but no, we're talking about red flag laws, which means trampling due process. We're talking about banning assault weapons. We're talking about universal background checks, which, which means banning private party sales and instituting a national gun registration. That's what we're talking about. Now, even if we don't end up doing those things, which I hope we don't, we're nonetheless talking about them. We're not talking about our issues. Are we talking about expanding concealed carry across all 50 states? Making it so that you can not only uh, carry in your home state if you can, but then you can also carry, you can also exercise your Second Amendment rights when you cross state lines. Are we talking about that? No, we're talking about the left's issues when it comes to the Second Amendment. We're not talking about our issues. What are we talking about on health care? Are we talking about repealing Obamacare anymore? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Medicare for all and all that stuff. Yeah, we're not in favor of it, at least not yet. Our side isn't. 
But all we're doing is talking about that issue. We should be pushing our issue. We should be pushing repealing Obamacare. We should be pushing free market enterprise in the healthcare field. We should be talking about those things. We're not talking about that, you know, but this is what happens. The Democrats that determine the debate, they determine what issues we discuss, and then we're constantly on defense. That shouldn't be the case right now when we control the White House and the Senate. We should be setting the terms of the debate. And they bring something up, we should just smack it down and say, uh, no, we're not talking about it. In fact, we're going to talk about this. And then we start pushing our issues. But we don't do that. So stop with the... But this is the problem. Our side thinks we're winning everything. We're, we're winning on all the issues. And, you know, I, I even got people telling me that, oh, not only is Texas solid red, but the whole country is turning red. What? What? Because they get this from our corporate, phony, conservative media guys who do nothing but tell us how Trump is winning every day. And so this is all they hear. They think we're winning every, and that everyone agrees with us. They think everyone in the country is a Trump supporter. They really believe Trump is going to win in a landslide in 2020, even though, as I've explained to you, that's pretty much an impossibility given the current state of the Electoral College and the... The, the nature of this, you know, the current state of play politically in all these states, it's virtually impossible for Trump or any Republican to win in a landslide. Yet they all think Trump is going to win in a landslide. You have no idea how many times I go on Twitter and Facebook and whatever, and my feed is just filled up with people using the hashtag Trump 2020 landslide or something like that. They really believe it because they listen to these these phony conservative talk radio guys who do nothing but tell them that every single thing Trump does is 4D chess. It's brilliant. He's winning across the board. It's not true. There is absolutely no evidence anywhere to show that we are expanding in any meaningful way anywhere in the country. There is not a single state that is getting more red, but there are a whole ton of them that are getting more blue. Okay. There is no polling data that supports anything that you hear uh, these people say with respect to the whole country turning red and Trump winning in, in a landslide. There's none. But you say that, you tell them that, and they just go, oh, well, you're fake MAGA. You're just giving me fake news. You can't believe the polls. Again, go back a couple episodes ago where I explained the polls in 2016 were largely correct. It was the predictions based on the polls that were completely wrong. The polls have actually been quite good. And look at 2018. Remember 2018, where we just got our asses kicked in the midterm elections? The polls were telling us we were gonna, there was a blue wave coming, remember? We were gonna lose big. We're gonna lose the house, remember? And everybody on our side said, oh, that's fake news. It's not a blue wave, it's a red wave. Well, guess what? The polls were right. But we didn't take it seriously because we just dismissed them. Oh, those are just fake polls. And if you quote a fake poll, and, and again, I don't put complete confidence in these polls, and they're just a, a snapshot in time. It doesn't mean that whatever the polls say today is, is what's going to happen a year and a half from now. But they're instructive, and we shouldn't turn a blind eye to them. But you can't have these serious discussions when our phony conservative corporate media guys are pushing that everything is fake news if it doesn't support 
that Trump is the greatest thing ever in the history of the world narrative. Okay, so people, back to the problem for me. And again, I'd like to hear what you think about it. I want to expand this audience. I want to reach as many people as possible. But I, I am limiting my reach based on, on being as truthful as I possibly can be with you guys. That's the fact. And so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know if it's so much a difficult, it's not a difficult decision because I can't be a phony. And if I'm going to come on here and do the same thing those guys do, then what's the point of me doing this? Because after all, I'm spending my own money on this endeavor, at least right now. Hopefully that changes. But right now I'm doing this out of pocket. I'm not going to do this out of pocket just to be saying the same thing that all the other guys are saying. Now, I'm not going to say something different just to be different. Everything I'm telling you, I believe. Everything I'm telling you, I've actually thought about. So I'm not just saying what I say to be contrarian. I'm saying what I say to be as honest as I possibly can be. And so it's not so much a difficult decision for me as just, it's just a problem. And so really the only solution, the only way forward in terms of being able to be honest. And it's not just a question of complete honesty. It's a question of timing too. I'm not necessarily telling you that everybody tells you things that are not true. But what they do is they don't tell you things when they could tell you things. Like I cannot be the only person on, on the conservative media side who has known for the last three years or more that Texas is turning blue. Yet I'm the only person who's been saying it. Why? Because nobody wants to be the leading edge of the sword. Because they're the ones that get the attack. Okay? If, if they're the first ones to come out and start warning about Texas, well, then people who don't want to hear that are going to attack them. So they don't say it. I come out and start saying it, I get attacked. And so the question is, you know, it, it's not a question. It's a difficulty. The difficulty is being honest and therefore perhaps suppressing the growth of the podcast. Being honest um, in a timely fashion, you know, not sitting on things until other people start telling you about it. Uh and being the leading edge of the sword and getting attacked. I and mean, that's it, it just goes with territory of trying to be an honest, intellectually honest and serious conservative in our current era. It's not a good time to try to be a conserv you know, a serious and honest conservative right now. It's not a good time because people on our side Listeners, viewers, readers, voters don't want to hear that, a lot of them. They just want to hear the cheerleading. They just want to hear how we're winning every day. They just want to hear that because Trump is in office, everything is right with the world. The, war, the wall is being built. Illegal immigration is almost vanquished. You know, the economy is the greatest economy in the history of the world. None of this is true, but that's what they want to hear. Trump is going to win in a landslide. All this. People are rejecting socialism. None of it's true. None of it. People are not rejecting socialism. Okay? Maybe the majority of people reject socialism right now, but socialism is increasing in popularity every year. Okay? 
More people approve or have a favorable opinion of socialism today than they did five years ago, than they did 10 years ago, 50, where all the trends are going in the wrong direction. And even though we might be a majority in some of these areas right now, like for example, in Texas, we might still be the majority. We might still be, you know, winning in 2020, but soon the trend is in the wrong direction. And soon we are going to be overtaken and we no longer will be the majority and Texas will be a blue state. Soon... We will not be in the majority in terms of rejecting socialism. Soon the majority will be all in favor of socialism and we're going to be in heap big trouble. But nobody wants to have that discussion. Nobody wants to hear that. People just want to hear that we're winning every day. So much winning that I, we can't even stand it. Yeah, Trump, we're not tired of winning yet. Now, anyways, this is... All right. I'm way long. I told you I had three things I wanted to get to. I was going to do an hour-long podcast. I'm already over an hour, and I've only done one issue. Why? Because I go off on a million tangents. I told you. This is just... It's how I roll. I start talking about something, and my brain just starts going in a different direction. Okay, did I have any other notes about that? Uh, well, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to everything today. That's just going to take too long. What am I going to do? A four-hour show? I don't have time for that. Um, here, here's another way in which we're not winning, right? We had this uh, this CNN climate nutcase propaganda event the other day, right? This seven-hour marathon of these loony Democrat nominees or candidates for president talking about climate change. And you've heard all the talk show guys say all the same things and play all the same clips. Oh, look how crazy they are. They want to ban straws and hamburgers. They're never going to win. Trump's going to win in a landslide. This is the problem with not taking this stuff seriously. And this is the problem with the Democrats setting the debate. Yes, Banning straws and banning hamburgers and all that stuff sounds insane, right? It is insane. However, what are we talking about today? We're talking about what the Democrats want to do. Ban straws, ban hamburgers, ban the internal combustion engine, all of this stuff. We're not talking about our issues. We're talking about their issues. And when you are just an average idiot American voter who doesn't give much thought to anything, who doesn't know much about anything, doesn't know much about our history, knows absolutely nothing about our Constitution, you probably went to college where you didn't learn any of this stuff. You were propagandized for four to six to seven, eight years. Okay? You were taught that Marxism is the greatest thing ever. Capitalism is evil. Okay? You're one of these people. And you're hearing... Every presidential candidate on the Democrat side talk about banning straws and hamburgers and all this stuff, talking about the Green New Deal and spending $15 trillion on retrofitting every building in America, all this insanity. They hear this. They hear it over and over and over again from these candidates. And not only do they hear it from the candidates, they hear it from special interest groups who buy ads. They see it in their Facebook when they, uh, when they open Facebook. They see ads for this stuff. They hear every major media outlet pushing all of this. They heard it from their professors. They hear it in school. Okay, They hear this over and over and over again. In fact, it's the only thing they really hear. They don't hear the conservative side. 
Number one, because where are they going to hear the conservative side? Unless they're talking, uh, listening to conservative talk radio or, or reading conservative publications or blogs or listening to my show or whatever, uh, they're not hearing any of this. All they're hearing is this far left-wing insanity stuff. Well, when that's all you're hearing and the media tells you this and reinforces all this, you're going, this is legitimate. This becomes legitimate in your mind. We make a huge mistake by assuming that everyone will think this is crazy. Okay, banning straws. First of all, how many adults really drink out of straws? You drink out of straws? I don't drink out of straws. Okay, um, banning straws I don't think would really upset all that many people. I really don't. Okay, um, there's alternatives too. You know, Lots of kids don't drink out of straws anymore either. They have their little sippy cups with their built-in straw and all this stuff. So you can't assume that people will see this all as insane. Okay? And, and just the general topic of this climate change insanity and everything else. Um, it's a huge mistake for us to just assume that every other American will just see these people for the loons that we see them for. I'm telling you, they don't. They have been conditioned, most of them, their entire lives, especially the younger people. Okay, The people who are inclined to see them as loons are older people, and we lose more of them every day. Okay, The older generations are slowly fading. Okay, people who would think it's ridiculous to ban straws or the internal combustion engine. But these young people, they've been hearing this stuff since they were in kindergarten. This is not crazy talk to them. Okay, Certainly people who went to college any time in the last decade. I'm telling you, they all got this. This is what the smart people think. This is what their professors all think we should do. Okay, And if you go to college, a lot of these people think that their professors are like demigods. These are the smartest people ever. And if they think that we should do this and that socialism is cool and the Green New Deal and all this stuff, if my professors think we should do this, well then, well, they're the smart people and I want to be a smart person, so I'm going to think what they think. So it is a huge mistake to think that people are going to reject this flat out because you reject this flat out. And maybe there still are enough people right now in the country who reject this flat out. But as I say, every year, fewer and fewer people reject this flat out. And if our side doesn't really push back, but rather just laugh, <laughs> look how crazy they are. Ooh, Trump is going to win in a landslide. But we don't do anything to push our own agenda. We don't do anything to expand freedom and liberty and talk about these issues in terms of what we think we should do. Not just in as it relates to the idiocy of climate change, but everything across the board. We fight on their turf. We react to what they say. We are always on the defense. We don't push our agenda. And so why would anyone adopt our agenda? We think that people are just going to automatically come to their senses one day. Oh yeah, young people vote for these crazy leftists. But once they get out and start working in the real world they're going to come to their senses and be conservatives. No. No. You cannot assume that. Now, I think that happened to a large degree in the past. 
I think it's happening less and less now. Look at all the professions that are completely controlled by the left now. The legal profession is a far-left profession. Now, lawyers are among, are, are among the most educated in our society. And they're over, overwhelmingly leftist. Okay, They're very interested in keeping their money. But that doesn't mean they're going to start voting for Republicans because they're against socialism. They're not. Trust me. I know these people. It's, they are overwhelmingly left-wing. Okay? The, the, the standard trope we've been telling ourselves for decades doesn't apply to them. Okay? A lot of them are very wealthy, yet they vote leftist. They vote for people to confiscate more of their wealth and give it to other people for doing nothing. So this old, oh, well, once they grow up, they'll turn conservative, doesn't work with lawyers. Okay? The medical profession is left-wing. A lot of them. I mean, look, you got, why would any doctor be left-wing, right? These are really smart people. They went to school for God knows how long. Very smart people, right? A lot of them are left-wingers. So this automatic, oh, as people wake up and uh, start earning money, they'll be Republicans. <laughs> Doctors, they, a lot of them make a lot of money. And a lot of them are far left I mean, look at the, the American Medical Association. Now, that's just a professional organization. It doesn't reflect the views of all doctors, obviously. But they were instrumental in passing Obamacare, for crying out loud. The point is, don't want to belabor it any further. You can't assume that Democrats or that, that most Americans are going to see this stuff the way you do and just flatly reject it just because it sounds so crazy. What sounds crazy today will become normal tomorrow. This has happened over and over and over for decades. Democrats start pushing something. We laugh at it, say it sounds ridiculous. No one would ever vote for that. And then within five years, everybody accepts it. And if you speak out against it, you know, you get trashed. You lose your job. You get deplatformed. I, take, for example, gay marriage. It wasn't that long ago that states all across the country passed laws against gay marriage. Not that long ago at all. In fact, it was less than 10 years ago. But now, if you even suggest that you disagree with gay marriage and that you think marriage should only be between a man and a woman. If you even dare to say that, your career could be absolutely ruined. If you are a professor on a college campus and you say that, or if a tweet emerges that you one time said that 15 years ago, you may very well lose your job. If you are a business owner and it comes out that you support traditional marriage and you are opposed to gay marriage, they will, uh, your business may go under. Okay? Everybody accepts gay marriage now. Fine. But look how far things change and how quickly. Remember, less than 10 years ago, most people, the overwhelming majority of people in this country, almost all Republicans and a majority of Democrats opposed same-sex marriage. That was in the last 10 years. Now, everybody accepts it. And if you dare say anything, it's become normal. What sounded crazy one day is now the normal. And not only is it widely accepted, if you have a differing viewpoint, you're attacked. 
Look at white privilege. Could you imagine 10 years ago if uh, it was now standard practice for people to attack white people on the basis of their race and tell them, tell every white person that they're inherently racist and we have to uh, atone by passing reparations and all this stuff? It wasn't that long ago if someone brought up reparations, it would have just... Are you crazy? You're a nut. No one would be for that. Now the entire Democrat Party is in favor of reparations. And we make the mistake that thinking all American people will forever be opposed to that. Yeah, maybe a majority of Americans are opposed to it now. But give it some time. As they keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it from the media, from Democrats, from um, academia, all this stuff. Pretty soon, everybody's going to be in favor of reparations. How about transgenderism stuff? Are you kidding me? We have boys pretending to be girls and getting to play on high school female sports teams and destroying women, destroying these girls, um, denying them places on teams, denying them medals, you know, denying them scholarships into college because men are competing in women's events and destroying the competition. And now that's normal. Look at how far... Could you imagine that 10 years ago? You know, we would have laughed that off. And when it first started coming up, we'd laugh that off. Oh, no one would ever be in favor of that stuff. That's just going to make the Republicans win in a landslide. <sighs> this is why I say our side is utterly unserious. We don't take this stuff seriously. And, and that is large, in large part attributable... To these buffoons who make up most of conservative talk radio and, you know, conservative commentariat class generally. Their approach to this stuff. It's just to laugh it off and, <laughs> we're going to win in a landslide now. They're talking about transgenderism and banning straws. Man, wake up. There's no evidence that that's going to cause people to leave the Democrats in droves and come over to us. It just means that eventually we're going to get those things because we're not taking it seriously. We're not pushing our agenda. We're just laughing about them for clicks. Okay? Every time you go on social media, you see, you see just about everybody talking about it. It's clickbait. Because the stupid and, and the just... The just making fun of the left for the things that they propose gets far more attention and clicks and views and subscriptions than does a serious discussion about pushing our issues. You know, and that's, that's why we are where we are. But the problem is most people don't realize that we are where we are. They think we're winning in a landslide. They think we're winning on all our issues. Meanwhile, the left is gaining every single day. Okay. Um, boy, what should I do here? Nah, I'm not. I'm going to save the taking on the courts for later because that's. I don't want to get into that. Uh, let, let me just leave with. Uh, we'll end up talking about this cannibalism story. Where is it? Are you kidding me? It's got to be here somewhere. You know what happened? Uh, when I closed out that stupid Hill article for the video, 
that started auto-playing. I think I closed out another page. Okay, here it is. This is from Breitbart. Swedish behavioral scientist Magnus Sutherland has suggested that eating other people after they die could be a means of combating climate change. The scientist mentioned the possibility of cannibalism during a broadcast on Swedish television and channel TV4 this week about affairs. Soderlund is set to hold seminars at this event called Food of the Future. And uh, he intends to discuss the possibility of eating people in the name of cutting down greenhouse emissions. Hold on a second. I got to check the text here. Okay, nothing important. All right, so... You have a scientist, a Swedish scientist. And remember, we're all supposed to be like Sweden because they do socialism right. So you got this Swedish scientist saying that we should probably start eating our dead relatives in order to save the planet from from climate change. Now, um, I don't know that cannibalism is ever going to take hold as a serious issue. Quite like, you know, transgenderism and banning straws are gaining wide acceptance here in the United States. I'm not so sure that cannibalism and eating your dead grandmother is going to, you know, catch on. So I don't know that we need to take this one quite so serious as I am urging us to take some of these other things. But this does give you an indication of how crazy the left in these Western societies have become. How much of an eco-extremist must you be to even contemplate eating your dead relatives in order to cut down the amount of, uh, I guess, hamburgers and other red meat that you eat in order to save the planet? These people are nuts. But, you know, maybe... I should take my own advice here. Maybe we should not just flippantly dismiss this. Because who knows? If they talk about this for the next five years or so, and especially if you know some professors in our institutions of higher education over here that people are paying $85,000 a year to attend start telling us that this is what we should be doing. And of course, a lot of these younger people are deathly afraid that we're all going to be dead in 12 years. Maybe, look... We already know for a fact that faced with life and death situations, human beings will resort to cannibalism. We've seen it over and over again. The Donner Party, right? Those uh, soccer players who crashed in the Andes. You know, it's happened many, many times. Faced with life or death, death situations, we will turn to cannibalism and eat our friends and neighbors. It's happened. So if these young kids really believe that the earth is going to end in the next 12 years, maybe they will be open to cannibalism. So maybe we should take this seriously. But there are some problems as I see it. Okay? So if the solution to climate change is that we we should start eating granny, and if that becomes normal, then that's a problem. Because, you know, just for one thing... Not everybody has a grandmother, right? So that's not fair. Because if, if, if the new normal is this, right? So your, your granny dies 
And instead of taking her to the funeral home, uh, you instead take her to a meat processing facility, right? So she kicks the bucket, you drop her off at the meat processing facility, and then the next day you show up and you get a freezer full of granny steaks, right? You get uh, granny fillets, you get granny ribs, you get about 50 pounds of grand, ground granny, right? You fill up your freezer, you eat for a year off of granny, okay? That saves big time on your food budget. I mean, that's a, that's a big cost saver to have that much food in the freezer. But that is only for the privileged people who have grandmothers. What about those who don't? Seems to me that's not fair. That's not equitable. And as you know, in our society, the most important thing is equality. Okay? There's white privilege, and pretty soon there's going to be dead granny privilege. And we can't have that. You're going to need to check your dead granny privilege. Okay? And I think the Democrats will run with this as an issue. Because there will be a lot of dead granny envy among people who don't have them. You know, Democrats are always pitting groups against each other. And soon they're going to be pitting people with grand people with grannies versus people who have no grannies. And those groups are going to be at odds with one another. Because the granny have-nots are going to want what the granny haves have. And so there will be a push for dead granny equity. And so what we'll probably see is Democrats pushing for a law that would require you to donate at least half of your dead granny to, say, your local food pantry. Okay? Um, that's, what, that's what's going to happen. And I know you strict constitutionalists out there are yelling at me right now and you're saying, Mark, that's unconstitutional. They can't pass a law like this. Ah, but see, that's where I think you're wrong. When it comes down to it, especially if, say, for example, Judge Roberts is still on the court, he's probably just going to rule that such a law amounts to a tax. And because they'll, they'll attach a fine to it, see? If you don't donate at least half of your granny to the local food pantry, you're going to have to pay an, a, a, a dead granny tax, a hoarding your dead granny tax, to the IRS when you file your tax return. Okay? And so Judge Roberts will get hold of that, and he'll just he'll say that the whole law just amounts to a tax, and he'll uphold it. So if you're thinking we're going to get out of this on a constitutional argument, you know, you're, you got another thing coming. Dead granny's going to pass constitutional muster. You watch. So that's a problem I see with this. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a law in this regard. But that's not the only problem I see. Right? Um, if, if we're going to donate granny to the food pantry, can anybody consume granny? Like, what if someone is not of the same race or ethnic background as granny? Can they, you know, can they eat granny? Or will that be cultural appropriation? You see what I mean? Because we can't tolerate that either. Even when it comes to food. Well, especially as it comes to food. You see this all the time. 
You know, we, we've already seen the left attack restaurant owners for selling cuisine that don't match their ethnic heritage. So a white guy can't go and open a Chinese food restaurant, for example. That's cultural appropriation and they'll shut you down. So, you know, what if you are a low-income American and you're needing some assistance from the food pantry? Um, are you going to be allowed to eat a dead Chinese grandmother? Yeah, I really don't think so. There's going to have to be guidelines on this because cultural appropriation cannot be allowed. So we're going to have to keep track of this somehow. You know, and once you chop up granny, it's not so easy to identify one race or ethnicity from another, right? I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to get too graphic here, but depending how much you break down the carcass, you know, the more you break down the carcass, the harder it is to determine the ethnic or racial uh, identity. So uh, there's going to have to be labeling. There's going to have to be truth in advertising. And there's the, the labeling is going to have to be a, an important component of this in order to ensure that there is no cultural appropriation. So if you're going to, you know, pick some granny chops out of the freezer, that bag is going to have to be very clearly marked as to, to what granny's ethnicity or cultural identity is so that there's no problem there. So perhaps we should, you know, there's, there's probably going to have to be a partnership with uh, companies that do DNA testing, for example. So maybe Ancestry.com or 23andMe need to get into this food service industry once we start eating granny. That way, we can make sure uh, that, that we are not engaging in cultural appropriation. And maybe they can go in and you know, have food inspectors from Ancestry.com uh, go to the various stores that sell granny chops or whatever and just randomly do some DNA sampling to make sure that, um, you know, the various meat products are properly labeled, okay? And we're, we're going to need strict law enforcement in this regard. And so we're going to have to have stiff penalties. And I'm, I'm proposing jail time, like significant jail time, uh, for any store or restaurant owners who sell misidentified granny parts. We can't have that. Um, you know, so it just depends how far you want to go with this. How serious we are going to be. Because um, cannibalism is going to open the door to a whole lot of other problems. And if humans are just a food source at that point then what if a poor person, you know, a homeless person, for example, uh, is, a, a, is food poor, as we call them, food insecure. That's what we call them, right? They're food insecure. So what if a food insecure person decides that, um, you know, they don't got money, so what they're going to do is go hunting, right? So um, they're just going to go to the mall and, and pick out a granny and just, you know, stalker, you know, set up behind a car. And when granny starts, you know, driving her scooter into the uh, Best Buy, you know, just pops her off right there. You know, puts her in the shopping cart, brings her to the meat processing plant. 
so 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 a food insecure person goes and and starts hunting granny because well he doesn't want to he has to because america's oppressive and we won't let people get ahead we're, we're keeping everybody down and so they're forced to hunt for their food is that going to be a crime at that point i don't know at, at most maybe it's downgraded maybe it's no longer murder maybe it's just illegal poaching and so you know you just get a slap on the wrist for that you know we kind of look look the other way we understand why you did it you're food insecure you know she probably only had a couple years anyway so it's not that big of a deal and maybe the penalty should be proportionate to the um to you know granny's age at the time of the taking right so it should be a a a stiffer penalty if you if you take a young person right so um but if you're if you hunt you know a 95 year old uh, really should that warrant being prosecuted too harshly you know i'm thinking like a 50 dollar fine maybe some community service i mean and and you know deferred adjudication on a a poaching charge so you do a little bit of probation. You you, you pick up side uh, sidewalks and the highways on a Saturday afternoon for you know about a month, and then we just expunge your record. You know we dismiss that charge because really uh, because we do jailbreak now. We do criminal justice reform and we do the what's it the the check the box thing or whatever their new thing is where employers shouldn't be allowed to ask about people's uh, applicants' criminal history. You know, so we, we can't have employers get to know someone's criminal history before they hire them because that's terribly unfair. That's not fair to criminals. So we need to just expunge the records of poachers because they're just doing it for food and we don't want to um, make it more difficult for them to get a job in the future. So, yeah, we got to think these things through. I don't have all the answers on this because this is a new concept we're just now starting to take cannibalism seriously as it result as it relates to global warming now here's another thing too uh, if we're going to start eating uh, people um, and you know everything's a human right right health is a human right uh, food certainly a human right can't deny that so it, if we make everything a human right now, and anytime thing, something is a human right, well, then the government has an obligation to provide it for free. Like, for example, I reported it to you uh, the other day on this. Um, a convicted child rapist is in a state prison, and he decides that he wants to be a woman, and uh, he further decides that he wants to take the, his pretend being a woman to to the extreme he wants to go all in on being a woman so he wants a uh, sex change operation of course he's in prison he doesn't have the money for a sex change operation so his lawyers demand that the state pay for it well the ninth circus court of appeals agreed and has now ordered the state of i believe it was was it idaho i think it was idaho it doesn't really matter ordered the state to pay for the taxpayers of that state to pay for a sex change operation because really it's a human right. You know, if you feel like a woman, then you, it's a human right 
that you get a sex change operation. So if, if, if even that is a human right, then certainly food is a human right. And we don't deny human rights to anybody. Uh, not even people who are here illegally. So then we're going to have to get into the whole debate about who qualifies for, you know, taxpayer subsidized granny steaks, for example. Do illegal aliens get, get uh, subsidized or better yet, free granny steaks? You know, like free government cheese. Do they also get free granny slabs? You know, half rack of granny ribs. I mean, do they get that? Two paid for by the taxpayer. I mean, why not? They get everything else. They get free health care. They get free college, uh, free sex change operations if they're a co convicted child molester. So it makes sense to me that they would uh, they would have dibs on your your dead uncle, right? So I don't know. It's just something to think about. It's it really opens up the door to a lot of things that we're going to have serious conversations about. So maybe CNN could have a seven-hour town hall event talking about this and interviewing all the different Democrat candidates for president and how they suggest we go about implementing uh, cannibalism here in the United States in order to save us all from climate change. Because if we're going to not eat hamburgers and we're going to ban the internal combustion engine and straws and all the rest of it, well, then certainly... Uh, we need to hear their thoughts on cannibalism. So I want to see that done. Because really, how can we cast an intelligent vote for president if we don't know where they stand on cannibalism? All right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, I will get to this other stuff, uh, the courts, the next time we do the podcast. In the meantime, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Help me get uh, new listeners. Look, I'm on YouTube. Right now it's just the audio over there, but I'm soon going to be doing videos, so you'll get, you'll get to see my, my handsome face up there uh, in addition to the audio on YouTube. So go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe to that. Um, subscribe to me on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, and there's others out there. Also, go over to markpantano.com and declaringliberty.com. Subscribe for those, to those websites for free. You'll get email notifications anytime I put up a new podcast or an article over there. You don't want to miss that stuff. It's gold. And what else? Please follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. And if you would be so kind as to leave me a five-star review on whatever podcast app you listen to me, that will help with the algorithms, the more five-star reviews I have, uh, the more I am put front and center in front of potential new listeners. So if you like the show, you want it to continue, then please help me to expand the audience because I, I, I can't just finance this forever, um, and that's just the way it is. So thanks for listening, and remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it, because it does. <laughs>